Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. So I hope you guys have something to take notes tonight, because I always have a lot of scriptures. You know how I am. I might not get to everything, I don't know, or I might let you out early. I never really know for sure. But go ahead and open up to Luke 4.18. Does this sound okay or should I, do I need to adjust it? Sounds good? Okay. I feel like I'm all bound up in wires and stuff. It's a little strange. But it's nice to have my hands free. So Luke 4.18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So tonight what I want to talk about is the two P's, poverty and prosperity. I want to talk about both. And this scripture immediately came to mind because Jesus, he sat down in the synagogue, he opened the scriptures up, And this was the first thing that he read. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That was the first message that he did. And what's the, what would be the gospel to the poor? That you don't have to be poor. Jesus, he, he doesn't want us being poor. He doesn't want us to have lack. He doesn't want us to have lack in any area. So poverty, 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 this is hard because there was a girl in Survivor and her name was Poverty and that always threw me. I don't know if any of you guys are Survivor fans, it's shows kind of died, but poverty and prosperity, well, how do they differ? So poverty, um, some of the words associated with it are lack, scarce, uh, begging to beg, insufficient, not enough, broke. And I found this online, some silly person, but it's kind of funny. He said, a person who has too much month at the end of the money. (laughs) Like, yeah, (laughs) or had too much month. Yep. So prosperity, some of the words associated with prosperity. And and it's not always about finances. It could be other things, but to advance, successful, flourishing, abundant, to succeed in reaching, plenty, more than enough. You could probably come up with a lot of things. So how does God feel about us prospering? Turn to 3 John 1, 2. He makes it very clear. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. He put just as. Just as means it's equal. It means it's just as important. That you prosper in all things and be in health. God wants us to be healthy and he wants us to prosper. He wants us to prosper in all things. He also wants us to prosper financially. He doesn't, I mean, who wants their child to struggle? 
Who wants to see their child not have enough? Nobody. Nobody wants to see that. That's how God looks at us. We're his kids, and he loves it to see us blessed. He loves to see us meeting people's needs and having more than enough, having an abundance. He loves it. So prosperity and health, actually, from the scripture, begin on the inside. Because our soul and our spirit has to prosper first. We cannot be bound by wrong thinking. If you have wrong thinking about it, you won't. If you have wrong thinking about your health and whether God wants to heal you, then you won't be healed. If you have wrong thinking about being prosperous, then you just won't be. So it starts first on the inside. And, and our minds, you know, we have, that's why we have to renew our mind. We, if, when you first heard it, I don't, I don't know, you know, whatever background you came from, but you may have come from a background where you're like, you know, oh, I don't know about that. But once you got in the word and you let the word renew your mind and you just knew on the inside, like, hey, this is, this is good. This seems right. You know, when you get it on the inside and you renew your mind, you, get the, you're, you begin to get the right thinking. You may not have had it. But the more you get it in the word, the more you'll get the right thinking. And, but it, it begins on the inside. And the word is what's going to get it from the inside to the outside. Amen? So how does God... Um, before I go into that, oh, look at Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had everything. I know in our society, we think of two naked people running around in the jungle. <laughs> I mean, that's what we think of, and, and leaves, and getting in trouble with a tree. But go back and meditate on the whole big picture. It wasn't just that. I mean, they had heaven on earth. He provided them with everything. When you go back and read it, they had it like every fruit, everything they could need. And they had jobs. They had animals. They got to name them. I mean, it sounds fun to me. I love animals. But he also told them there's gold. There's things in here for you. Shiny things, good things. Those are all fun things. So they had everything, just right, right from the start. If you ever have any question, did God want us blessed, go back to the beginning and look at Adam and Eve, amen? So how does God feel about poverty? And how should we view it? Well, poverty is abnormal for us. Just say to yourself, poverty is abnormal for me. We are not designed for it. We're not supposed to live like it. It doesn't look good on us, and a little poverty is the same as big poverty. It's the same. It comes from the same source. If sickness is unacceptable or abnormal and unacceptable in the church, then poverty should be exactly the same. Treat it as unacceptable. When it comes up, it creeps up even in small ways, just, uh-uh, not having this in my life. I'm not having lack. I don't accept this. The devil wants to make things funny and kind of, he wants to mask things and let things creep up. Well, maybe I can just give them a little taste of poverty. You know, maybe, maybe they, they don't have enough for their lunch today. Just as something small. Don't, just don't accept it. Don't accept any of it. Even if you're living right in the midst of it, 
Do not accept it. Amen? You give God a chance to turn things around for you if you will not accept it. So let's look at some things that are acceptable. Turn to Leviticus 26.5. Here's an example of what's acceptable. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage, and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. This is acceptable. This is how we should be living. Time of vintage is just when, you're, when you've got your stuff, like you've reaped. Or, or you could look at it as when you've got your paycheck. You should have enough to go from one paycheck to the next. You know, I was in banking for years. And one of the hardest things that probably made a lot of people mad, but people would come up and, they, and they're just trying to be social. But they don't even realize what's coming out of their mouths. It's constant. Oh, you know, I'm just living from paycheck to paycheck, like in a, like in a not enough kind of way. Like it's, it's, there's not enough each week. Oh, there's never enough, you know. And they try to get me to agree with them. Like, man, there's just never enough, you know, right, you know? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> here's your receipt. <laughs> like, I, I refuse to agree with them. And I'm like, ah, you know, I didn't want to start preaching at them. I got to be professional. I'm on the job. I'm handling their money. Um, or, you know, try to find something positive. Well, you're not in the negative. <laughs> I mean, because some people's bank accounts are in the hole, so, you know. But people are just so used to saying it and saying it and saying it. You know, you grow faith in what you hear all the time, whether it's someone else's mouth or your own. And they don't even realize they're just perpetuating a cycle of never having enough. And we don't want to be like that. Amen? So turn to 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things, there's a lot of alls in there, may have an abundance for every good work. That, is, that one scripture you could just take and meditate on over and over and over again. It's so full. He's able to make all grace abound towards you. He's able to make all grace abound towards me. That's how I read it. That I will always, having all sufficiency in all things, will have an abundance for every good work. I will have an abundance for every good work. Read it and make it personal to you. That means no running short and no running out ever. That You can live that way. We should be shooting to live that way. Shooting for it. You have to see God as your source. If you want to have this, you have to see him as your source. Turn to Psalm 78, 18. No, turn to Philippians 4, 19. Sorry, <laughs> totally skipped it. Philippians 4, 19. And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Where are these riches? Riches, his riches in glory. Not my riches, his riches. My God shall supply. His resources are limitless. 
absolutely limitless. You ever watch a game show? My kids are like, they get on Netflix and they want to watch Minute to Win It. Or there's this new one they were watching today. It was called Awake. And apparently you keep someone awake for 24 or 48 hours or something. And then they have to come in and like perform these tasks. And I guess whoever does it the best wins. I don't know. There's so much crazy stuff out there. But anyway, you know, there's always an amount of money you can win. But there's, you know... Some of them are real exciting. It's like, oh, a million. You know, that's like a big game show. But a game show where you're only winning like 50,000 or 25,000, it's like, uh, you know, that, that's kind of exciting. I mean, that would be cool, but it's, it's not as exciting as the million. But there's always like a top. You know, you don't, you don't receive unlimited, unlimited riches for the rest of your life. God has those kind of riches. These shows, they don't compare. The lottery, we've heard some really big lotteries. The lottery does not compare to the riches that our king and our God has. Does not compare. They're limitless. Turn to Psalm 78, 18. And they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. Yes, they spoke against God. They said, and this was the Israelites in the wilderness after they, after they had experienced all those miracles and got set free from the Egyptians. They said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Behold, he struck the rock, so the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can he give bread also? Can he provide meat for his people? Therefore, the Lord heard this and was furious. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Can God prepare a table in the wilderness? What had they just gone through? They had just gone through watching the sea part for them. They just left Egypt with all the goods. I mean, they all healthy, everything. And they're, they're questioning God. Well, can he really provide for us? Can he really do this? And it says, the Lord heard this and was furious. It didn't say he was a little bothered. It says he was furious. Like, that's a big deal. God's resources are limitless. I mean, I've said it probably five times. I can't say it enough. There's no limit, no limit. People say the sky's the limit. Like for people here on earth, that's like a big deal. Well, no, <laughs> the sky is not the limit. Amen. So he's our source. He's our limitless supply and he can use whatever means to get stuff to us. And many, many, many avenues to get us what we want and what we need. He's one source, but he has many, many channels that he can work through. So Adam and Eve, they were fully supplied. The Hebrews left Egypt, as I said before. They were healthy. They, would they ever have dreamed that the Egyptians would have been like, here, take all our gold, take all our stuff. That 
Would you ever have imagined that that's how it would have happened for them? I mean, I, I want to picture, I picture, I, I, don't, I don't know. I just want to see those like, imagine that there's people walking out and they're like, whoa, we're not sure what's going on, but we know God's going to supply. And then as they're walking out, they're like, wait, wait, you need to take all this stuff. You know, like I, I, I want to see that. You know, I want to imagine that that's how it went down. I don't know exactly how it went down, but I do know what the Bible says. And they did take gold. They took all the good stuff with them and none of them were sick. So the disciples, they had a full treasury. They even needed a guy to manage it. They had a full supply. Noah, he had a full supply. I mean, he was working on that ark all day. Like, how was he providing for his family when he was busy working on the ark? God supplied. He supplied whatever he needed, whatever he needed wood-wise, whatever he needed to take on the ark, whatever he needed to, you know, wrangle the animals. I don't know. Whatever he needed for his family, he was well supplied. That's the way God works. He supplies every angle, everything that we need. We have to see him that way. Also, the Bible says he's Jehovah Jireh. He's the Lord who sees. He sees ahead at what we need. There's nothing that's going to happen with us that's, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened to Miss Iris. Oh, <laughs> nothing surprises him. Turn to Genesis 22.8. And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. He knew what Abraham would need. He saw ahead. He made that ram go into the thicket where he would see it. He sees what we need. He will be there. No situation can surprise God. None I don't care what the situation is. None can surprise him. So don't ever, ever, ever question, you know, will he be there? Will the supply, you know, will he provide? Don't, don't even, when it creeps up in your mind, just shoot it down. Cast it down immediately. Don't ever question how he's going to get it to you. And don't, don't um, think, well, this is, I know this is going to, how it's going to happen. And then when it doesn't happen, your faith is just, you know, down the tubes. Don't, just, just don't even go there. God can use anything, anyone, anytime. Think about the wedding feast. Um, when Jesus turned the water into wine, it was what they, it was what was expected to have at a wedding feast. And they ran out. Well, who would have ever dreamed that the way it would have been supplied was they went and they filled them up with water? I mean, it makes no sense. Just remember that when you're in a situation. It doesn't have to make sense. You don't have to understand. God can do it and he will do it. And just look forward to the excitement of how it's going to happen and your excitement at getting to share it and tell someone else, man, I didn't have this, and this is how God got it to me, you know. It can be super exciting. So be careful. Look at God as your source, but be really careful that you, when you have a need, that you go to him, and he's your source. It's so, you know, he wants to be your source. It's so easy to think, 
well, I'll work extra hours, or I'm going to go to my spouse, or I'm going to drop a hint here or there and see if somebody wants to bless me. We can't do that. (laughs) That's not cool. Let God be your source. Think of him as your source. He's your answer. None of those things, when, when you don't, don't even tell anybody. Don't, just don't. Don't even bring it up. You're believing God for something. Just watch God move in your life. Amen? So some things that can get in the way of your prosperity are covetousness and selfishness and stinginess. And here's, here's where I might step on some toes, but I'm used to that because... We're over there with the teenagers. We step on their toes all the time. Right, Jonathan? (laughs) He's not very far removed. So, covetousness. Turn to Proverbs 28, 16. We don't want to have anything that gets in the way of our prosperity. So if you don't identify things that can stop it, you know, that's not good. We want to identify it, anything that can get in the way, And squash it down and get rid of it immediately. Amen? So, Proverbs 28, 16. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. Turn to Luke 12, 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. So covetousness is basically wanting what you don't have or wanting something you shouldn't have and doing anything to get it. Just think of it that way. It's pretty simple. And it's the nature of our flesh to want things that we don't have. And it starts very, very young. You're, and your flesh, is, your flesh is never satisfied. Now that's your flesh. Your spirit man can be extremely content and at peace. There's a difference. But your flesh is never satisfied. What happened to Eve? She wanted what she wasn't supposed to have. She got to looking at that tree She should have just passed on by. (laughs) Just keep on going. The devil, you know, if there's something that you're not supposed to have, he will dangle a picture in front of you that makes it look so amazing. And 99% of the time, maybe 100, it's not even what you think it is. He will make it look like it's something that's not. And even if you had that thing, you wouldn't be satisfied. You'd be looking for the next thing. That's just the way he works. So how do we deal with this? Well, acknowledge your humanity. Just Eve, she should have just kept on walking. She just said, I can't handle that. I'm not walking by that tree. I'm not going to stand under it and stare at the fruit and look at how good it looks and, you know, mouth-watering and all she should have just kept on going. She shouldn't have, she just, she might have noticed it, but she could have just kept on going. So acknowledge your humanity. If you're not supposed to have sugar, stay out of the Krispy Kreme store. <laughs> if you're in debt, stay out of the mall. Just 
It sounds so silly, but why put yourself in a situation where you're tempted? If you're not there at all, then you're not, it's not going to happen. Just, you know you. You know what you kind of go for or you know your situation. We tell the teenagers all the time, if you're the kind of person that is just highly, highly influenced by others, you need to be extra careful who you're hanging out with. Extra, extra careful. You know, you may be the super leader and you can just rile up, you know, people and bring them to church. You may have a different personality where other people don't influence you that way. But if, if you're super highly influenced, there's just certain people's personalities you just cannot hang out with. You just can't. You have to admit that. You have to recognize where, not that you're always going to be in that spot. Not that you're like, if you're, you know, you're on a diet or something, you're not always going to be in that spot. You're not. But when you're in it right now and you know it and you know you're not supposed to have something, just stay away from things you, you know, stay away. Starve any connection, any connection with something that you're not supposed to have. Just starve it. Um, Anything that your flesh has a problem with, you can starve it. Your flesh will quit aggravating you about it. It absolutely will. So turn to Philippians 4.11. Let's take a look at Paul. Philippians 4.11. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished again. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you have done well that you shared in my distress. Now you Philippians know Also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For in Thessalonica, you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Turn to go down a little bit further to 417. So Paul was saying that he, in whatever state I am, to be content. He knew, he said, I know how to abound, but he said, I know how to be content. 417, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that abounds to your account. Indeed, I have, and isn't that like God? He's seeking something for us. He's looking, he's, he's not telling us to do something to take away from us, ever. He's telling us to stay away from things or to do things to bring something to us. Because that's just who he is. He's just so good. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So he's someone who understood. He understood God as his source. Is he someone you think God took care of his needs to do what he did? I mean, he traveled all over. Traveling costs money. 
He traveled all over. God met his need over and over and over again. But notice something. He did not say that he was, you know, he went through some rough times. We've read about that too. He, He did not say in this that he was content with that. He never said that. He said he's, he was content, but he's not content with it. He wasn't content with, you know, some of the rough situations. But he knew how to be at peace. He knew how to be satisfied. He knew God was taking care of him in every situation. Turn to Hebrews 13.5. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. That's super direct. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So only true fellowship with the Father will satisfy. That's the only thing. True fellowship. What is true fellowship? If you talk to him once a week, that's not really true fellowship. You're probably not going to be super satisfied. True fellowship, you wouldn't talk to your spouse once a week when you live in the same house. You wouldn't do that. We've got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us. We have access to the Father 24-7. True fellowship, talking to Him, fellowshipping with Him. That will bring your satisfaction. That will bring your contentment. So the next thing that gets in the way of prosperity is selfishness. So how do we handle that? Well, one four-letter word, love. If we are walking in love, we're considering our actions and how it affects other people, right? Love considers how other, we make others feel, and it will cause us to deny ourselves. It'll cause us when we only have enough for one thing, but we have our friend with us to want to bless them, put ourselves under, and take care of them. That love does that. Make sure in another way that um, you can make sure that you're not having a problem with being selfish is make sure that your stuff isn't too important to you. You may be believing God for something that you really want and you get it, Make sure at a moment's notice you could give it away if God asked you to. Like that. Don't get so attached to something. You know what? Celebrate God's goodness and his victory and give him honor in it. But don't hold on to it because he may ask you. You may believe God for, you know, I know one minister, he believed God for $20,000 Got that $20,000, he told him, like, the very next day to give it all away to someone. And he's like, oh, he did it. And God blessed him over and over, multiple times after that. He said he learned real quick, just do it. Don't question, you know, yay, faith victory, but you, you can't fall in love with whatever it is. You just can't. You have to be able to give it away. If Jesus is truly your Lord, you can give it away because you know that he can get it right back to you. Amen? So put, you're going to have to put some things that you want in the back seat 
And don't chase after what you want. Live to give first. If you make that a priority, keep that a priority. Not that you shouldn't believe God for stuff. You should. Just make sure your priorities are right. Make sure you're taking care of what God wants you taking care of. Make sure you're taking care of God first. You're honoring God first. All of those things. Turn to Matthew 6.33. You guys have heard this one before too. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So seek him first. It's a good way to keep your priorities straight. Seek him first. Keep God first. I'm going to turn to Haggai 1. I don't want to read the whole thing, but I need to look at it. So, trying to find where to start. Okay, well, let me start in the beginning. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of, I don't know, Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses in this temple? And this temple lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. These are people who don't have their priorities straight. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. This scripture reminds me so much of when we began our building program here for the church. I lived on the scripture. Because <laughs> there was a lot of people, there was a lot of people who, who hooked up and were like, yes, we're going to get behind pastor and we're going to build this church. And there was a lot of people who didn't. And this is nothing new. You go back to Haggai. These people were saying, they said, it's not the time for that, that the Lord's house should be built. Then the word of the Lord came and said, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? So, and this temple lie in ruins. They were making their stuff and their houses above God's priority. And you know, when you hook up with God's ways and his priorities, he can bless you. You will have your priorities right. And, and I know there's a trust issue. Well, 
can we trust the man in charge? Can we trust our pastor? Well, you need to consider why are you here <laughs> in the first place then? You know, pray about it. God will speak to you about it. God will. You know, I was, Greg and I were two, two people that absolutely hooked up behind it and said, you know what, we're going to put God first. But we were, in a, we were in a position where we didn't have a mortgage. And we, we, we lived in a trailer and we rented the land. It was 115 a month. Like that was our rent. So cheap. And we recognized that. And so we took that opportunity and we said, we are both working full time. We have extra money. Now, in the natural, it would look like you're a young married couple. You need to start saving for your house. And we even heard that from people. You need to set aside money for your house, for your house. Keep setting it aside so you can have a big down payment. And we chose not to do that. We chose to put God's house first and put the money into it. And God took care of us in a huge way. I mean, we, we have a house now. We told someone um, not too long ago what, what we paid for it. And they were like, what? Like, you know, he can get the goods to you at, at prices that, you know, will shock people. Because he knows how to get good stuff to you. You know, it, God's just, he really blessed us. He blessed us through a time of downturn in the market. You know, God will take care of you. When you take care of his things first, he will take care of you. And I remember, I remember not having a house for a while. And we, were, we weren't in a place where we could have a house. But, I, I, you know, I longed for when can we be settled down because we moved and went to Bible school, and then we weren't sure what we were going to do after. We just weren't settled. But every time I got a little bit down about, you know, I want to have a house, I want to start a family, I just said, Lord, I thank you. We took care of your house. You're going to take care of ours. And I kept myself stirred up about it, and he did. He will. He absolutely will do that for you. Amen? So we're talking about not being selfish. Well, you cannot give what you spend on yourself. That's pretty basic. But, um, you know, sometimes you just have to wait. Just wait for something and make sh put, put God's things first. And sometimes that thing that you're believing for, someone else will just give it to you. You didn't actually have to, you know, raise the money to buy it. Someone will come up and just bless you with it. Like I said, there's one source, but there's many channels. God can get it to you in so many different ways, ways where you may not even have to buy it at all. So turn to Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1. And the, this one, no one would do this in here. We talk about stinginess, being stingy. I've talked about this next door. Didn't get a whole lot of amens over there. So we'll just pretend I'm still talking to the teenagers on this one, okay? I'm actually going to read to you what I read to them. So Ecclesiastes 11.1. 1, Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. 11.4. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. Basically, it just means if you're always looking at your circumstances, you're never going to tithe. 
You're never going to give to a project. You're never going to bless your buddy. You're always going to have some financial thing creeping up, whether it's your kid's braces, whether it's your, your, you know, your shoe broke last night, or just who knows. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be a circumstance or something coming up. If you look at all those things, you won't sow. You just won't do it. It says, he who regards the clouds will not reap. He who observes the wind will not sow. So how do you know if you're stingy? This is what I told the teenagers. I said, you get 20 bucks from your mom, you put a dollar in the offering on Wednesday, and then you go to the movies or you go to McDonald's and you spend all the rest. And they're like, ooh. Because they do that. That's exactly what they do. They're like, I'm going to keep all the rest. I'm not saying their moms necessarily gave them, you know, maybe they mowed the lawn and got 20 bucks. I don't know. Maybe they went out and weed whacked and got 20 bucks, whatever the reason. I'm not saying the mom gave them the money specifically for offering and they were being deceitful, but they got the money. It was, in, it was an increase to them. And then they put like 50 cents in the offering and then go spend it all shoving, you know, McDonald's in their faces. I see it. So I said, that's how you know you're stingy. I said, another way is you've never, ever sacrificed your own money to bless your friends. And they're little. They don't think about this. They just think, ah, I got money. I get to go out. I get to spend it. I get to do whatever. The third thing I said is you get money from your parents or a job, and you put something in the offering every two or three. You get something regularly, and you put something in the offering every two or three months. I said, you're stingy. Just plain and simple. You're being stingy. You're looking at the clouds. You're thinking of what you want to spend it on. And you're sowing to yourself. We don't want to do that. It, the Bible says, Ecclesiastes, it said, cast your bread. Cast your bread. Let God move in your life. We want him to be able to move in our life. We want to be a people who put God first and had him and had his priorities first. Amen? 2 Corinthians 9, 6. So, moving on. Talking about sowing and reaping. And we read this one a lot. And there's so much in these scriptures. But this I say... He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let each, of, each one give as he purposes in his heart. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So I'm going to skip some of it because I'm running out of time. So we need to sow... We need to sow. It's up to us. God's not going to make us sow. It's up to us. It's in our hands. We have to do it. We have to sow into good ground. You don't want to just, well, I know I need to give, so I'll just, whoever's, whatever TV evangelist is on TV, I'm going to just sow. You don't know anything about them. You don't. You need to sow into good ground. Sow into what you know what God has brought into your life, sow into good ground, sow in a measure that you want to reap. This, these scriptures are very specific about that. Sow in every area you want to reap. 
This is something I think we don't think about too often. What do you, what area do you want to reap in? Sow in that area. Sow into someone else's lives of, you know, here's a gift card for, you know, some clothes. That's something that you're like, yeah, that would be awesome. Sow it into someone else's life. Or find out what their, someone else's car payment is. I mean, how many would like someone to come up and pay your car payment this month? Sow into that area. And, and start where you're at. Maybe you can just put, you know, half of their car payment. You don't, maybe you're not in a place where you could do the whole thing. But something. It's an area you want to reap. You can sow into that area. Sow in the manner in which you want to reap. Do you want to reap consistently? You need to sow consistently. Or do you just want to get blessed once a year? You want to get blessed once a month? Do you want to get blessed consistently? Do you like getting paid occasionally? No. <laughs> no one likes getting paid occasionally. They like getting their paycheck when they expect it, whether it's once a week or every two weeks. It's kind of the average. Sow in the manner in which you want to reap. You know, also, what is, what is your, what, what makes you squirm as far as an amount to give to somebody? What makes you uncomfortable? Sow, if you sow in an, in, in that, on that level, it's easier. You're sowing in the manner in which you will reap. It's going to be hard for you to begin. If you're not, if you're not sowing those, those whatever, the, whatever it is, whether it's $10, $100, 1000 it's going to be real hard for you to be reaping in that manner if you're never sowing in that manner. Think about it. Where, what makes you squirm? Because if that was put in your hands, it would excite you, wouldn't it? You'd be like, wow, this is awesome. Well, you're actually just reaping because you did that for somebody else. You trusted God in a big way. So turn to Luke 6.38. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, this is what I was talking about, the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. It's going to be measured back to you. I mean, it's in the Word. It's right there. Think of a farmer. He sows a very small seed, but he gets back a harvest. He gets back something way bigger. So thank God. Thank God every day. You know, thank God the whole rest of your day on Sunday when you've put your tithe in that your seed is going to return a harvest to you. Stir it up in you. Say it. Say it with your mouth. The more you hear it, the more your faith builds. Whether you hear it from reading the word, whether you hear it from Sunday, or hear it from yourself. When you're saying it, you're hearing it. It's going to build up your faith. So what about reaping? Galatians 6, 7, and 10. And this is just this is the last part. I'll try to go quick. This is important, though. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows sows he will also reap for he who sows to his flesh 
will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap. If we do not lose heart, focus on for in due season. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's our responsibility to reap. We cannot sow every week and then just confess the word of God and it just plop in our lap. It is our responsibility to reap. The the sowing is up to us. The reaping is actually up to us. Growing it big is up to him. Making it big, the return but we have to reap it. Well, why, why don't we just reap right away? Well, God deals with people in seasons, and it's God's amazing, amazing mercy that we do not reap right away. Because think about the bad side of it. Think about the things we've done or said. We do not want to reap instantly. <laughs> That's God's mercy. But it works on both sides. That's why you're not, reap, you're not always going to just reap. Well, I know I just gave somebody 100 bucks, and, you know, it's been a week. Where are you, Lord? You have to remember that. God deals with us in seasons. It says, for in due season we shall reap. Genesis 8.22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. The Amplified says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. Proverbs 10.4. He's talking about seasons. He who has a slack hand becomes poor, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise man. He's gathering. He who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. The Amplified says, He becomes poor who works with a slack and idle hand, but the hand of the diligent makes rich. He who gathers in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. You can absolutely sleep through your harvest. The Bible shows us someone who did. God could provide an amazing opportunity for you, and you don't take it. And now, I'm not saying, well, you need to go work three jobs. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. Because there's no way you could keep God first and keep your priorities correct, keeping God first, seeking God first, and having three or four jobs. It's not going to work. It doesn't work that way, and God's not, that's not his plan. That's not the way it's supposed to work for you. Well, but I thought I was supposed to reap. It's not supposed to work like that. Exodus 16, 4. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. They had to go out and get it. He rained manna from heaven, but they still had to go out and they had to pick it up. Ask God, where am I missing it? Where? Where do I need to get up and go gather it when, when the season comes? Look, ask him. Say, Lord, don't let me miss the season in which I am supposed to reap. And you want to be there. 
You don't want to sow and then not have God's priorities and be living in darkness. And then all of a sudden your season is there and you can't even see it. You want to be consistently living for God, putting him first, eyes wide open. When that season comes where that harvest is right in front of you, you will see it. It'll be clear to you, super clear exactly what you need to do, exactly what you need to buy and sell or what you need to do at your business. He will, he will make the opportunity for you. But you very may well have to go out and gather it like they did. So learn to recognize seasons and, and ask them. You may be, say, Lord, am I in a season of just sowing, sowing in church or sowing into someone else's life. You know, what is this season? We, not, we did everything perfect, but we recognized we were in a season when we were young, married, no children, working full time. We recognized we have an opportunity to work. We have an opportunity to sow. We have an opportunity to sow a lot. And in due season, when it came up and the opportunity came up, we were able to, our faith was there. We knew, yes, this is it. We had a surety. We knew, okay, this is God. We're going to jump on this. We didn't have to be afraid. So Luke 5, 1, 11. Oh, I'm going to hurry. Is reaping automatic? Peter was told to do it. Jesus could have said, okay, I, well, I'm going to skip that part, but they were on the boat, and Jesus said, cast down your net and pull in. Jesus could have been like, I'll do it. Bing. Here's all your fish. He told Peter to do it. He told him to do it. He could have said, give me that net, and I'll bless you. I'll take care of it. He didn't do it. He told Peter to do it. So... God isn't out there just gathering our, gathering our stuff. We have to do it. His part, the idea, the sun, the rain, the growth, those are all huge. Those are things that we cannot do. But we do have a part. We absolutely have a part to play, amen? So for time's sake... I already read Ecclesiastes. Okay, Psalms 104.27. Okay, let me read Jeremiah really quick. Jeremiah 5.24. They do not say in their heart, let us now fear the Lord our God, who gives rain, both the former and the latter, in its season. He reserves for us the appointed weeks of the harvest. Psalms 104.27. These all wait for you, that you may give them their food in due season. What you give them, they gather in. You open your hand, they are filled with good. So we sow by faith. We wait by faith. How many of you all have waited in faith for something? But we reap by faith. You have to have that conversation with God. Have clarity. Have your priorities right. But we also reap by faith. Say, I know I'm going to see it when it's available. I know I'm going to see that opportunity. I'm not going to miss it. And you may need to stir yourself up and confess it. So Matthew 21, 28. Oh, I'm going to have to skip this because we're running out of time. Matthew 
so. Why do we have seasons? Seasons, it's the way God has set things up. And we can have that conversation with him later about exactly why he did it the way he did it. But it is the way that he set it up. But I do know this. Seasons do produce patience in us. And it produces, in time, it produces good fruit. It will produce good fruit in us. And the more fruitful we are, the more pleasant we are with everyone, the more of a blessing we are, the more fruitful we are in in our church, at work, you know, all the way around. So I hope tonight helped you guys, give you some scriptures, some things to stand on, be meditating on, things to be saying, some different ways of looking at things. Not that any of this is new. None of it's new. But I want you to be stirred up to that, that poverty is any amount of poverty, completely unacceptable. Don't accept it. Don't be okay with it. And stir yourself up on the scriptures of how much God wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in health and to prosper in all things. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.